Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science facts. Engines primed, engage! I'm Andy. I'm Sarah. I'm Doug. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Space Nerds Star Trek Club. Yeah! Star Trek! We're meeting every week to talk about season one of Star Trek Discovery. Woo! Get ready for Star Trek Club! To share your thoughts on Star Trek Discovery, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. We are Space Nerds! Are we still doing songs? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) If if you're not singing, I quit. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. And we're just doing the first episode? The first half? The first half, yeah. The Vulcan Hello. The Vulcan Hello. Hello. Good day. Vulcan hello. It's, <laughs> hello. It's the Vulcan. Hello. There she is. Michael. Hey and a Vulcan hello. Yellow. Come in. Hello, Vulcan, no. Can you Hi, Konnichiwa. <laughs> wow. I'm... Amazing. I don't know how you two do that. <laughs> Azada do Ray. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a whose line is it anyway that just focused on writing songs about Star Trek episodes, <laughs> you'd win every time. <laughs> Wow, thank you. I mean, that's the goal in life. I think that's all we can ask for. Winning whose line is it anyway? Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's the pinnacle of human achievement. Yeah. Welcome to the Space Nerd Star Trek Club. We are embarking on a brand new voyage today. We are starting our journey through... Star Trek Discovery. So excited. I'm actually really excited. I know that I notoriously hated season one of discovery and we're going to get to some really nasty shit in the star trek canon that we're gonna have to talk about but i love how this show starts and i love season two and i'm so excited for season three and overall i'm just real excited to be talking about this show in general Mm. how are you guys Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. I liked season yeah. one. I know. Yeah, well, that's just yeah. good. Though. I, I, I know like, that I yeah. I know there's some there's some rough spots coming up, but I still feel that compared to other season ones prior to Picard, it's still better than a lot of the really bad missteps other first seasons of Star Trek have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting watch through because we have somebody who watched it. And didn't really like season one. That's but me. That's Jesse. But then really likes season two. That's me also. Then we have Doug, who um, saw some. I um, sounds like you had you saw what the issues were with season one, but overall you really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's two kind of contrasting opinions. <laughs> and then we've got me, who's seen season one but hasn't seen season two. Andy hated season one so much that she quit the show. <laughs> she straight up quit. No, I kept I watching watched, season two. First of all, hold on. I did watch the first episode of season two. And, and then that's you quit the show. when I quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, yeah. I also watched a lot of the short treks in between. Yeah. Which yeah. I really enjoyed, actually. But Ooh, yeah. um anyway, and then we've got Sarah who hasn't this is your first watch through of all of it, right? Yeah, this is yeah. I mean, Sarah's just seen Picard. <laughs> like we th- we have the most unique perspective 
well, someone some who TNG. came to Star Trek just now. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I definitely was like, okay, this is very different watching it by myself than with my friends who understand <laughs> this world. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, sure. I don't. Okay, you're you're a Vulcan, I think. I don't know. <laughs> and then there's these other dudes who like want stuff to happen, but I don't. I don't know. So I, this is the first time for oh, I really kind of felt just lost, totally. but in the yeah. best way because I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't know anything about anyone prior to this. Yeah. So it's like sure. I, all these. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I do think that that is a failing of Discovery, is that if you come to Discovery having not seen any Star Trek, I can't even imagine trying to make sense of what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it. Even as someone who knows a lot about Star Trek, it was still like, what is happening? I was so confused the first time. Mm. Um, or even if you have like a cursory knowledge of Star Trek, you know what Klingons look like. And seeing these creatures in the beginning of the episode and being told they're Klingons is confusing because sure. it's like, these are Klingons. They don't look anything like Klingons. And yeah. you kind of have to, you know, take a lot on faith of what the writers are telling you is happening. And then they also don't, they don't connect the dots very well from like thing to thing. Mm. So it's a little hard to follow. But I will say that... Um, what I, I actually love the pilot of Discovery. I've always loved the first two episodes. And we'll, we're going to get into it. We'll answer all your questions, Sarah. We'll try to make sense out of all of this. But before we do, yeah, I have some Star Trek Picard wrap-up things that I would really am dying to talk to you three about. Can we do that? Is that cool with you guys? Science fiction! You just get so passionate. I know. I do. Well, yeah, it's important to you. Okay. Jesse, Jesse loves his Star Trek. He does. I do. All right, guys. So we talked for so long about Picard that we decided to make it a Patreon bonus exclusive episode. Yay. So there it is. We've, <laughs> we've made the well, decision. What I think is so funny about this is that when me and Jesse were doing Doug Space Nine and talking about Deep Space Nine, I would always rope the discussion into talking about Discovery. Discovery. <laughs> when we finally... Finally sit down to talk about Discovery. Jesse talks about Picard. <laughs> I know. I couldn't help it. Tradition. But let's talk about Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Discovery. Season Episode one. one. Episode wow. one. Part one. The one, Vulcan one, one. Hello. So mm-hmm. I love this episode. I It's great. I love the way the show starts. And what I was about to say is that even though like we didn't like Aaron Halberts and Gretchen Berg who run season one, the mm-hmm. first two episodes were uh, co-written by Brian Fuller, who was the original showrunner of Discovery, who mm. left before the show came out. So mm-hmm. he was a big part of like creating the show, but he wasn't mm-hmm. there to oversee the arc of season one. But right. he did, you know, co-write the the two part pilot, mm. and it's a right. very she different some show. Good characters, yeah, yep. yeah, it's a very different show than what we got for the rest of season one. And I'm a mm-hmm. fan of it. I I really like it. I think that it it really sets up this whole, you know. Uh, future of humanity in which people seem to be, you know, competent, mature, emotionally stable adults who make good decisions until Michael decides to, uh, you know, commit mutiny. But even that, I feel like, makes some degree of sense, like with mm-hmm. that character's background and history. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, overall, I'm really on board for for the whole episode. I'm, I remember the first time I watched this, I was overjoyed. It's like, wow, yeah. Star Trek is back and it fucking rocks. How do you guys feel about it? Well, may I say, 
I remember when we first watched through this show, we were also at the same time watching the Orville. Yeah. And what's interesting is my only experience with Star Trek outside of the new Star Treks is TNG and that very episodic based type of television and the two newest star trek series have been long form you know like they are what's the word for that again serialized serialized thank you and um what's funny is then this watch through i couldn't help but think if this was old star trek what would have happened is that michael would have been like hey we gotta give this crazy hello to them <laughs> and and like after thinking about it and combating it the captain would have been like okay let's try it and then mm. they try it and then it would have diffused the issue and then they would have gone on to the next thing <laughs> right do you know yeah. what i mean like right. yeah totally. like and and so i totally understand why based on the type of show they're making they didn't just resolve the issue in the episode but there was a bit of it when i first watched it that of me that felt resistant to that that Mm. i wanted and because of my experience with starfleet like that they that the the captains that i have i have seen which is really has was only picard like at that time would have listened to their you know their second in command and would have and would have tried it, like would have taken the risk and and seen if it worked, because it would have been better than just sticking to what you are told is what you do in this situation. And and that's that was something I remember really craving when I first watched it. Hmm. Um, in this, in now knowing the type of show it is in this watch through, I was still a little frustrated, <laughs> but I understand that that's not the type of show that they're trying to make. So I, I was less obviously um, bothered by that. But that that was something I remembered initially thinking. And the reason I bring up Orville is because that is a much more episodic show. Like, that is the type of Star Trek I'm used to with even more bizarreness and humor. But yeah, um, but yeah. So, so that's something that stood out to me in this watch through for sure. Interesting. What about you, Sarah? How, what was it like for you coming to this, having no knowledge of the Star Trek history, um, no idea where this fit in the Star Trek timeline, or really who Vulcans are? Like, what what was this like for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly was kind of like, okay, <laughs> great, that happened. Like, what? so what happens now? Because <laughs> I was like, yeah. I just don't, I, I was able to, like, piece things together for sure, and, like, was like, okay, like, these people are bad. Like, they found their ship. Like, yeah. is anyone on it? Oh, surprise! Yes! <laughs> like, oh, okay, you know? So, like, so, like I, I definitely understood, like, the big picture of what's happening. Yeah. I was like, I'm not quite sure who people are or their, like, path to what got them here or, like, what mm-hmm. makes them significant. Where it's like, I don't really know the characteristics of Vulcans. Vul- that's what they're called, right? Vulcans? Yeah, Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, or I Klingons. don't really know the characteristics. Or Klingons. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know the difference or, like, what's the relationship with humans and Vulcans that made it, like, totally. this girl wanted to be less human. Like, what what makes Vulcan right. characteristics specific that they're, like, I don't want to be human. Like, it seemed like Vulcans are more, like, 
matter of fact, like it's mm-hmm. all about like the data, the information. It's not emotion based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you got it. That's it. They're very right, logical. So like, logical. Yeah. Yes, thank you. That's what I was looking for. I was like, uh, smart, smart. Um, <laughs> so it it was definitely interesting to watch it. I think it was hard to watch without you all because there's something mm-hmm. about watching it together. I think that like gives me an energy that mm-hmm. I'm realizing I don't have by myself. But I think mm. it's also because like seeing your reactions to things then it helps me understand maybe how to feel or like oh yeah. this is like a big thing so it was like interesting to try to decide for that for myself but sure. i did think it was really entertaining i did understand what was happening and i thought it was interesting kind of like you were saying andy of like oh like the the head chick didn't listen to her <laughs> yeah. be- like because she thought she was coming from like an emotional perspective, maybe? Mm-hmm. Is that what yeah. it was? Like, yeah. She has baggage of, like, Klingons killed her parents? Is that yeah. what mm-hmm. happened? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was interesting to be like, okay, shit's shit, getting real. <laughs> like, you didn't listen, and, like, this is what's going to happen. So, I don't, I don't know if that actually even answered your question. I'm just babbling I now. Did, but I did. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I did really enjoy it, and I am interested to see what's happening. I was just happy that there was a black person in a lead who didn't yeah. get killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, great. Like she's, I think she's the main character. So she's got to have to stay. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. So that's good. Yeah. So I did really, I did enjoy it. I am excited to watch more, but yeah. I'm also curious to be like where this goes because I feel like I am like, piecing together a lot or even like yeah. the other characters there was like the mm-hmm. the dude who was like i can sense your heart rate and like blah yeah. blah blah and i'm like oh, okay he's something i don't know <laughs> yeah. what he is but he's cool like yeah so it's interesting because for us that that have more of a like a history of of star trek knowing like oh this is species they say the name and we're like oh it's this and this and this mm-hmm. um and, and then versus, like, who's new and introduced into the show. Mm-hmm. So for you, a lot of it is new, but you picked up on, I think, what they were they were laying out there as far as what was relevant to the story. Because sure. in some cases, mm-hmm. knowing, like, oh, here's, like, this long, complicated history of this particular alien species in Star Trek isn't at all important mm. for the episode. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting in a way, you know, once you've seen a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily relevant for every episode and so uh, um you uh, yeah yeah i think you captured all of that and then um like that particular one the guy you're talking about the long limit guy who senses danger like that's a completely new species for star trek this is the first time they've ever shown his particular species so then so that's like for us watching it that's like oh what is this what's going on here you know Mm -hmm. um but as far as like klingons and vulcans go there are aspects that are relevant to the story, but you picked up on all of them. Just yeah. like we're pick, we're picking up on oh, Kelpians. This is a new species you've never heard of, and this is what they can do. They can they can sense death and danger and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it's to me, this is what I like about the this particular this two parter yeah. is that I think they do a good job of showing old favorites, but not just leaning on like everyone will understand. You know, uh-huh. they do explain what needs to be explained relevant for the episode and it is a two-parter so i think a lot of the questions in terms of burnham and her history and and you know uh the vulcans and the klingons and how that revolves around her 
my I believe all of those get pretty much spelled out explicitly in the next episode. Yeah, you picked up on more than I expected you would. You actually raised my estimation of how how this episode would play for someone who doesn't have you know vast Star Trek knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that's good, I think. Um, there is some that's like good, yeah. There is some fun. <laughs> there's some fun fan things in this in the way that this show is set up. Mm-hmm. So the original series of Star Trek took or what aired in the '60s. Um, and then Star Trek The Next Generation started in 1987 and was set 100 years in the future of the Star Trek timeline after the original series. Uh, so technology was advanced and they had new fancy things like holodecks and, you know, androids and all that kind of stuff. Um, although there were like androids in the original series, but it was different. Anyway, so... We tried um, not to think about that. They were too yeah, advanced. Exactly. <laughs> and then obviously Picard takes place, you know, another 30 years after that. Uh, when Picard is older. But Discovery actually takes place 10 years before Star Trek, the original series. So are you familiar with, like, Kirk and Spock? Yeah, they're people. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know anything, I don't know anything about them either. So Kirk, though, so Kirk is the captain of the Enterprise in the original series of Star Trek in the 60s. Oh, the Enterprise. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that rings for both. But <laughs> it, now, wait, this is something I've always... I just... I wanted to clarify. So the, the Enterprise that was in the original series is not the same ship that Picard captains in tng there's been a whole line of ships named enterprise including in reality there has been a space shuttle enterprise and like oh on on star trek they you know in the first movie they go on the holodeck onto the actual seafaring vessel called the enterprise so the hm hms yeah her majesty's and there's there's like a um an actual real life um like naval carrier that is the enterprise so got it yeah that's like a name of vessel that military organizations including a the story starfleet a storied name exactly yeah um so the original series has the enterprise 1701 ncc 1701 yeah. and then on next generation they have the ncc 1701 d so the enterprise d uh-huh. um and then we actually learn about what happens to the enterprises a b and c and um what what's after D E E <laughs> we learn we see all Most sorts commonly of, known as E of enterprise uh, in Star Trek we see a J oh we see a J yeah it's a oh. <laughs> space is awesome <laughs> I love this J we see the Enterprise NXO one yes. which is like an experimental ship yeah. to, just to retcon wow. the fact that there could still be an enterprise wow okay so all sorts of enterprises so okay and we this was all in service of explaining about spock and yeah so so in the original series kirk was the captain spock was his first officer spock human, is a vulcan half human half, half human half vulcan spock is yes yeah. and we learn kirk a lot, is human. we lo- learn a lot about vulcans in the original series that they are basically creatures of pure logic they suppress all of their emotions to the point where they um, supposedly don't even feel emotion, but it's kind of obvious that they actually do. They just kind of keep them way buried down. Yeah. And they just operate on pure logic. Which this is actually a good moment to discuss because we just... Oh, I'm wa- sorry. That's I just okay. bumped into your microphone. Um, because we just finished Picard. Not that we're going to get into Picard. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but that the Romulans, right? This is this is what we were talking about when you were talking about the... like. Um, Commodore O is half Romulan, half Vulcan. Yes. Is that they are of the same species, 
the 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 history is basically that the Romulans are the more emotional, um, less logical. Yeah, I think that's off, fair. Off offshoot, offshoot, yeah. and yeah, they, the Vulcans are are then the ones that have commi- committed themselves. They to go logic. into it in, I believe, the Enterprise series, right. Right, the right. the two thousand series, where okay. the general the the quick overview is that. The Vulcans were were chaotic species that were ruled by their passions and were at war. And then some dude, um, Surak, I can't remember his name, um, but some some guy was like, "Hey, you know what? We should all just be chill and like super logical." Yeah, yeah and yeah. he started this whole new movement. Like a he's like a movement. religious figure, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the Romulans are like, "Yeah, you know what? Fuck all that. We still like being." angry and volatile so we're gonna go to our own planet you assholes can stay here and be like chill and logic or whatever sure yeah mm-hmm. this is more backstory than you need but but i this love is the it. gist of it yeah i love but anyway kind of so spock who is half vulcan half human his dad on the original series is a character named Sarek, and we see Sarek in this episode of Discovery. He mm-hmm. is the guy who was raising Michael yeah. Burnham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. is actually Spock's biological father. So Michael is a human being raised by Vulcans, and they value logic over emotion. They look at emotion as being like kind of dirty almost. It's like if you make a decision based off of emotion, it must be the wrong decision because you need to make your decisions based off of logic and no emotion. Yeah. And from that, we can extrapolate that Spock may be a type of brother to Michael, right? Yeah, like an adopted brother. And we'll learn more about that. Um, But yeah, so Sarek is a recasting of a character from the original series. I think actually James Frain is a great casting choice. I think he does an awesome Mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting to get a, a sense of Michael, this human, being raised by Vulcans and being told to suppress her emotions. And then seeing her as an adult, where she is a very logical adult, Mm -hmm. but then at the end of the episode makes what I would consider to be a very emotional decision Mm -hmm. when she decides to um, mutiny, basically, to try to make sure that, you know, because she's so upset about these Klingons being there because Klingons killed her biological parents. Mm. I think she thinks she's making a logical decision. I think in classic Vulcan fashion, she is being ruled yeah. by her emotions totally. but is justifying it as logic sure. I agree which 100%. is one of the I think one of the most interesting things that they later do with Vulcans early Vulcans you're almost presented as they just don't right. have emotions They're emotionless yeah capable totally. of it. yeah but later on the nuance is like oh no they're very emotional but it is all just uh, will that forces it down and so this is, you're watching uh, Michael mm. make an emotional choice, justify it through logic, but is sort of like the surface is cracking where she's not as capable of suppressing her emotions fully. But she tries to justify it even to uh, Philippa that this is a logical choice, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I really believe that it's interesting watching this a second time because I don't, I hadn't really kind of captured that the first time through, uh, but that she is doing what she sees to be the right, correct, logical thing. And that will sort of be justified in the end. Mm. And it's a very interesting take on, on a common Star Trek trope, sort of what um, 
Andy had addressed earlier how if this was a different episodic version of Star Trek, how it would have been handled, where I think you could even see an episodic version of this where Michael does take over the ship Mm -hmm. briefly to do the thing that she thinks is for the greater good. And in the end, everyone's like, oh, cool, you were right. We're sorry we didn't see it this way. I mean, they let Data take over the ship like every other weekend for joyrides if he wanted to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're in a different type of Star Trek now. So this is like, oh, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't take over the ship. I I also love how... I agree with everything you're saying. Um, and I, I also, the second viewing was much more in tune with the fact that she was, you know, thinking she was logical, but actually being emotional, mm. um, which I really liked. And I really liked the, you know, the conundrum that they set up of yeah. this whole Vulcan hello idea, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, Klingons are a warring race. And mm-hmm. they're sort of isolationist at this point in the Star Trek universe where other species don't have as much interaction with Klingons as they come to in the future. Mm. Like in Next Generation, you know, we're seeing Klingons all the time. We got a Klingon serving on the Enterprise in, in Worf. But back Yeah, in there's this a whole day, implied history. Like there was a war. Right. They you know, there was peace and now there's like, yeah, normalized relations. Right. Mm. right. This is but like this we is haven't seen that. them forever. Right. This well, is right. before yeah. that when there are no relations with the Klingons and all we know about them is that they are this like murderous warrior race. Um, and I love the idea that the Vulcans, you know, basically shoot at them whenever they see them to say, hey, we understand violence. And if you bring violence to us, we'll bring it back to you. And that mm-hmm. is a message that the Klingons understand and respect and kind mm-hmm. of say, okay, these are fellow warriors. We don't need to fuck with them. Whereas if someone weak comes to them, um, they'll be like, oh, you are weak and we will show you how weak you are. So that logic leads Michael to think that they have to fire on the Klingons. But I feel like this scenario is a little different because she has already accidentally killed a Klingon when she went over to that ship to see what it was in her spacesuit and um, like was confronted with a Klingon. She killed him immediately. And she obviously had a bit of an emotional response in self-defense. Yeah. In self-defense. Part of me was like, why didn't she just, deactivate whatever was giving her gravity on that ship and just get the heck out of there. Yeah, there were other options that she didn't take because I think that the emotionality of of confronting the species that killed her parents for the first time in the flesh, I think mm-hmm. she acted in, in a way that was maybe not the best way possible where she ends up I took it to killing be a panic this guy. Move. Well, sorry, what's that? I took it to be a panic move. Yeah, I agree. It was like a literal fight or flight mm-hmm. reaction. Yes. And she just yeah. hit the jetpacks. Also, yes. there's the whole thing of her... DNA turning into noodles or something <laughs> hovering yeah. out there. So uh, too much radiation. Yeah. yeah. They should write a song about that so we can remember it. <laughs> 25 DNA seconds noodles. you turn into a noodle. <laughs> ah. Oh, there you go. Wow. That sounds like an ad for something. <laughs> it does. Sound like it. Try Dr. Crusher's anti-radiation therapy. <laughs> Unspooling noodles. <laughs> we'll spool you right back together. Um, yeah, so I think there's actually quite a bit of subtlety in, in the way that she's acting, the way that she's presenting herself to the crew, how she feels about herself versus how she is actually feeling um, that she's not aware of. I think there's a lot there that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, I mean, I'm conflicted on how they present the Klingons in this episode because at yeah. first I hated it because they look mm-hmm. so different. Like, they just look so different. Like, Sarah, do you have any frame of reference for Klingons? You've seen a couple episodes of Next Generation. You've seen Worf. 
Did you recognize Klingons when you saw them in the opening scene? <laughs> no. no. No, I had no they idea what they were. Like yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. I, I well, struggled that, with that, too. And I also, I don't think I've ever known what a Klingon was. So even if I saw them in Next Gen, I wouldn't have known sure. he yeah. was a Klingon. Yeah. So it's like, totally. I, I know I've heard the name before, but I I to what they yeah. look like. Do you remember and what even Worf now looks like? Do you remember, like, it's really tall? Yeah, he kind of like Chewbacca's, like, second cousin, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, when I, I was like, wow, maybe Chewbacca was actually started in the Star Trek world and then, like, skipped over to Star Wars. Hey. Half Chewbacca, half human. Yeah, yeah. right? Less yeah. Scary, but, yeah, totally. Well, But I didn't know he was a Klingon. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that'll serve you well because, um, it's very inconsistent yeah. with how, what we see of Klingons later in Star Trek, and yeah. it directly contradicts a couple things, but they actually kind of weave it back in in season two in a way that made sense to me. Oh, really? So, yeah, so oh, coming okay. back in and seeing this again, it bothers me so I'll much less. I'll be so curious. I, I have yeah. to say, because I remember when we first watched through it, and you, com- like, the very first time, you know, a year ago or whatever, and you commented on that, and you were like, well, maybe they can justify it somehow that, like, historically, Klingons looked a certain way and then evolved, you know, to look a little differently. But then all of the pictures of, what is that? Not, oh God, Chloris, what's his name? Chloris Leachman. No, no. They're like, they're, they're kind of version of God. That's like, Kalis. Kalis, thank you. Kalis. If he was an ancestral Klingon, he would look like, and you know, he looks just like the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. But, there's a couple different versions of what Kalish looks like. Yeah. There, and there's also like this thing in Enterprise with the augment virus where Klingons made, are made to look human because in the original series, Klingons were basically just dudes with some like brown makeup on their face, which was like really problematic and like yeah. long mustaches. It was a mess. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah, the original series Klingons are yeah, it's not good. No, not really spicy. Yeah. But I will say, what's interesting, I did like that they explored colorism or like shadism in this episode. Well, With the I guess throughout the Klingon, yeah. yeah. And what's Volk. the character's name? Volk. Volk. Yeah, Volk. yeah. So and like him stepping forward and um, this is the torch and then bearer. also the leader. Like the leader is like has a very rich dark tone to his skin. Like clearly, this is a culture that does have colorism or shadism within it and and like rank can be determined based on those things and it seems like Volk is this big outcast and even the leader says like you know I know you you people think that it's God's mistake your skin is God's mistake hmm. and all that and and I don't know I, I actually I really appreciate that they're exploring that within the Klingon um, race because I feel like that, that's been an interesting thing that Klingons in Star Trek like the, the, I'm sure there's been a lot of feelings and conversations around that, especially based on what you're saying about what the original Klingons, yeah, yeah, I mean how they were depicted. Klingons were redesigned the first time in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, mm. which was before the Next Generation, and they okay. had like a couple of forehead bumps, which then evolved into the forehead ridges we've come to know. Yeah. Um, which Andy aptly called vagina foreheads because they all have a clit. Like They're very right vulva-esque, <laughs> yeah. Um, vulva-esque, indeed. So, but I think a big part of like redesigning the Klingons is that the original makeup was offensive. You know, it was like... Sure, yeah. It was not good. Um, it's a half step away from blackface. Yeah, it totally is. And like when you go back and watch it 
now it doesn't hold up. It's very uncomfortable to watch. So redesigning the Klingons was like kind of a necessity in that way. And I never minded the fact that like they got a bigger budget for the movie. So they redesigned the Klingons with some better makeup. You know, I never minded that. Um, this was this is a weird scenario, and we'll talk more about it later in the season, yeah, why they on. redesigned the Klingons this time. Yeah. Um, but part of it I've actually come to really like, which we'll talk about it when we get to season two. Um, but this time I was able to kind of just put that in the back of my mind sure. and take in the story more. And I think that overall, the way that they present these Klingons, which is like this religious group of Klingons who's following this leader, uh, it's Takuvma, right? Yeah. Um, Takuvma. Yeah, and like we have this torchbearer who's killed by um, by Michael, and then Volk, the albino Klingon, steps in as the new torchbearer. There's some interesting stuff happening there. This like interesting yeah. religious ceremony, the fact that their ship is covered in dead bodies, I think, is yeah. awesome. Like Spooky as hell. Yeah, really cool touch. Um, yeah, there's a lot about it that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I liked the first time through. Oh, no. Go ahead, Sarah. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, no. I think that's, that's those are the kind of details where I got lost. Of mm-hmm. like, okay, like they have these dead bodies, and then this guy's like, I'm going to lead, and they burnt his hand, but his hand didn't burn. And then, and then there's like, and, and I, I watched both episodes, so I'm trying not to get confused with what <laughs> no, happened to which okay, one. Okay. Well, we yeah. have all, I think all of us have We've seen, all seen the it. second yeah, one, but, too. Oh, it's so. true. Yeah. But I, but, so I can't really remember if, like, if it's in the first episode or the second episode that you also see, like, the other Klingons, and they're like, he's, they're like, follow this one. And they're like, why are we going to follow you, ho? Right. like, <laughs> I, you know, because. And so, that's, like, that. Yeah, that's the next one. Okay, okay, that's what I was like. I'm not sure, but I guess I guess I'm I'm confused on like the the Klingons' purpose and goal in this. Mm. Is their goal for yeah. domination? Is their goal to just like be like, hey, don't forget we're here? Like, mm. what so is the purpose at is, the end of the first episode? This is my take on it. Is that the the guy that we see at the beginning uh, is trying to re- reunite all of the warring Klingon factions. Yes. That he is like a religious separatist. He's got his little group of people who follow him, and then he wants to basically be the leader of all Klingons because he feels the Klingons have lost their way. Mm. And the Klingons have this mythology about their uh, ancestor who was the last person to reunite all the Klingons. And according to this mythology... Something happens, they light a big light, and everyone will come answer that call. Mm. So I think that this artifact that's out there in space is just like some ancient thing from Klingon history, and they're going out there to turn it on. Yes. Um, and that this guy, Voke, is the one that winds up doing it. It doesn't. It's not that relevant in the first half, but basically he's the one that turns the light on. That light is to summon all of the leaders of the 24 Klingon houses and then Takuma believes that now they will all follow him because he's reunited, reignited the light of Kalos. And the, well said. The, and the light is on that that um, the ship, beacon coffin thing. ship. Right. And the, the reason that he wants that to do this the first time, that, I like, never when they, understood when that. they turn the light on, it's so bright that you can't see that it is coming from the ship. Like when it's, it's like, not bl- from their Klingon ship with the dead bodies. It's from that thing that Michael landed on. 
Oh, that's not the oh, ship. That's that, something. That's no, that, that, that thing out in space. Uh, this is my sense of it. Without the, they, I think they dropped the ball here. I yeah. think the Klingons had this ancient thing that mm-hmm. happened to be in Federation space that Takovma wanted to go turn back on. Ah. So that's why they're violating Federation space. Yeah, okay. And they, they, they blast that beacon yes. on their way in. That helps and me. Then they, then they get out there. Now the first torchbearer is the one that's on it already. And he's killed. He's getting ready to fire that up. Michael yeah. kills him. Yes. So then they send Voke out there. Then they turn it on. Then all those other Klingons warp in there. At the end and of the they episode, yeah. They did send right. Voke out the th- there? Yeah, Volk does go out there. We don't see it, but it's yeah. implied because oh, yeah. the turn because, on. He, because Torchbearer implies turning on this big turning ass on light. the torch, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that the main okay. reason for all of this, it seems that this particular Separatist reuniter person is concerned that the Federation poses an existential threat to the Klingons because and that's they the come whole in thing. peace. Well, the, what I like about that is he's the yeah that he's saying that the ones whose deadly phrase is we come in peace. Yeah. He's, and, and he's not wrong yeah, in a way yeah. because the Federation really does absorb other cultures, you know, and, and that's a kind of a thing that comes up later and is addressed explicitly in later Star Treks are how some Klingons are like, well, we really fucked up when we kind of gave up our Klingon ways. And now, mm. now yeah. we're these pass, now we're this pacified species. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, you have this ancient warrior race who is in some ways kind of trying to incite violence with humans. Like, this religious leader, he wants to unite all Klingons against a common threat, which is humans in this case, or the Federation. The Federation, yeah. Um, Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, We Come in Peace is this, like, insidious thing that (laughs) that sneaks into their empire and can subdue them until they have lost themselves. So. He's really saying, like, in order to remain Klingon, like, that's what he wants is to have Klingons remain Klingon. In order to do that, we have to fight against these people who come in peace. And the counterpoint of this, which I think is very fascinating, is that Michael is saying in order for the Federation to protect itself, it has to strike first. Hmm. It has to go against its ideals, which is not shooting first and not just attacking people at random but yeah. in order to not be destroyed by this what she's perceiving as its existential threat they have to violate their principles and attack first mm-hmm. so yeah. you have this dichotomy between michael and uh Tukovma about what they think is in the best interest for their particular groups in a war against each other which i think is really interesting I agree, and it really puts a lot of shades of gray on Michael's decision, because I still, I mean, I've been thinking about this for years since this first aired, and then thinking about it again, watching this again, I still don't know if I think she's right or wrong about the Vulcan hello. I still don't Mm -hmm. know if it would have made any difference. I think it would have made no difference in this scenario, because the Klingons were there for blood. Mm. I don't think it would have mattered, but... um, I think she's right, but I don't think that it would have mattered in this case. Right. I think like maybe if they had come across Klingons randomly in space, firing across their bow would have been the right response. But in this and case, they were, when they're right. around this religious artifact and they've just lit this beacon, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing. And like, well, they have she their orders. Have done it, she would have had to have done it before they lit the beacon. And she yeah. already, like, they have their orders from Starfleet. And the whole idea of like betraying her captain, who she loves and respects, mm-hmm. is a pretty big leap. I do buy that she takes that leap in this moment because of the moral complexities of her background and the situation. I think it's well done. I think it, I think it makes sense. 
Well, they don't go into it. I don't know if they go into the next episode or not, but uh, spoiler alert that she has a like a mother-daughter type relationship with yeah. uh, Captain Giorgio. So mm-hmm. the, the, the whole thing of her motivation of wanting to protect her, I think, goes beyond what we would see in another yeah. Star Trek of like, hey, I want to protect Starfleet and the captain. This is like... No, no, no! I love you like a mother, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to see you hurt, so I'm willing to cross this very serious line that will make you pissed off at me forever. Yeah, yeah. because I need to. That's why she's like, people will get killed. This will happen. You will get killed. Right. She's very emphatic about that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that take on that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I just really, I really like it. I, I don't have much negative to say about this episode. No, like besides my, it's a, sh- it's a shame the rest of season one isn't like this. I know it's, <laughs> yeah. that's, but that's the one thing. So I love this ship. I love this captain. I yeah. love Captain Giorgio. She's such an amazing character. Yeah, and we've never seen any character like her in Star Trek before. And I was like, man, this is fucking rad. Like I mm-hmm. want this show, and it's mm-hmm. not the show that we get we don't it's, get it <laughs> it's the first yeah. two episodes and and yes we got those two episodes and they exist and that's awesome but but the rest of the season is not this yeah. right. so that is my one disappointment with this show is like it's not as good as the first two episodes like this is such a great setup and i would have adored a whole season with this crew and this cast yeah for sure yeah i mean that whole sequence in the beginning where they go to that planet to try to fix their water well and you see those crazy yeah, creatures so great. that yeah. look like bad dr smith from the lost in space movie um <sighs> and then they have to like make a beacon by walking the starfleet delta sig- symbol on the ground yeah i love it i i don't care if it makes sense or not it, it feels good it feels starfleet you know it feels like star trek they're there to help um just because, you know, they just yeah. want to help. They just want to make sure these people are okay. And I just love it. I just think it's so cool. Yeah. Well, shall we rate this episode? Oh, Andy just yeah. walking away. Well, I <laughs> and Andy's letting Miles out. How would you rate this, Sarah? What do you think? I feel like I would rate this episode like a seven and a half. Like, mm. maybe even an eight. Like, I, I feel like now that I know that I picked up on correct things, it, you know, it's like, okay, what I was watching and what I took from it is correct. I do think they did a really good job of, like, laying down groundwork for the episode specifically. And, like, I didn't feel like, granted, there were questions I had, but I didn't feel like them not being answered right away took me out of anything, um, which was nice. Um and I liked, I know I, I feel like I'm the pacing queen and I liked <laughs> the pacing. Like it felt like just like an, like an episode of something where it's like, okay, here's my beginning, middle, middle, I guess. <laughs> and then there's like a second episode. But I, yes, I, I'm going to like seven and a half, eight. I don't, I'm not sure yet which one, but I'm just like somewhere in between that. Nice. What about you, Doug? Nine. <laughs> mm. I love this episode. Yeah. And this also... This is the first time I've gone back to it after first having watched it. And, I mean, this was... When I first, first watched it, same as everyone else, it was like, it's been a very long time. What, 15 years or so since there's been new, like, real new Star Trek out there? On TV, Apart from, like, movies or whatever, yeah. Right, right. So this was like, all right, I'm I'm in it. Like, I want to see what's going on. And then right away I was like, 
oh, okay, that's what Klingons look like now. <laughs> okay, let's let's go. And I was still, like, in for the ride. I mean, I really, I was just thrilled the whole time. And so now, now I'm going back and watching it again, and some details are getting a little more fleshed out, and knowing where the story goes, it's interesting to see certain things that were laid out already. You know, seeing early interactions between Michael and Saru, which, you know, he, spoiler alert, is a character, one of the characters that does continue on into the new reformed crew, um, is interesting. And, yeah, I didn't, I do agree that there are some problems later on with this first season, but none of that is here now. Mm -hmm. And if this had been what they did through the rest of season one, it would, in my mind, far and away be better than Picard season one. Yeah. Hmm. That this, this, this really was like, all right, baby, Star Trek is back. Yeah. So (laughs) what about you, Andy? You know, I think I'm actually going to really struggle to rate this whole series. And here's why. And, and I, I do think this series prepared me to enjoy Picard. Um, but kind of hearkening back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode uh, is that I still really crave and, and want Star Trek that is more episodic and that mm. is more um, that sort of wild romp that sometimes has a serious message that doesn't get too graphic that de- like I, just just based on my tastes yeah that that is that is the type of television i enjoy in terms of this type of storytelling so you How, love that, that the orville does exist cuz that yeah. is, i do love that the orville exists yeah. i think honestly though even the orville isn't quite right for me in terms of, i think it doesn't take itself seriously enough like right. um, like i right, wish right, there right, was right. something in between tone wise you know yeah. like yeah. they get more serious in season 2 i don't yeah. know if you the first oh, season of, the first season of the orville is the is the worst season of the Orville. Right. It was a good season. It gets Which I think is the really only season good. I've seen. Season two, they're basically like, you know what, fuck it, let's just be Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Let's, totally. let's be it's lightly great. funny Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, okay, well, that's good to I know. I think you watched some of the newer stuff with me on season two. Did I? I think so. I'll have to return to it, because that I think that that, now especially since I'm getting so close to finishing TNG, like... She's two episodes away, folks. Yes. She's almost done. <laughs> She's been I, watching it. I... I binge. Yes. Oh my God. Um, but I do, I want like characters that I care about and high stakes, but not all the time. Yeah. And, um, and I think that this and discovery goes on to be pretty high stakes all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I think that, but getting into that headspace and just allowing myself to be like, okay, this is the Star Trek that they made. This is what they, their vision is. And this is the format. Like, based on just being okay with that and just going, that's what it is. I agree. I think this is an eight. Um, yeah. Like, it's such a good episode. And um, I do. I think that they give you some amazing characters, great representation, um, and a few little references to previous star trek characters which i love that they sprinkle in there um and uh yeah yeah so i'd say an, an eight based on that but i i think when i saw it i was a little like oh this is a this is a five or a six for me because <laughs> just because it wasn't what i what i thought i wanted but but right. letting go of that and judging it on its own merits yeah exactly and so i think yeah, yeah eight for sure yeah i think i'm with doug on this that it's a nine and the only reason for me that it's not a 10 is that i think that there is some really confusing plot movement where mm-hmm. they don't quite make it clear what's where, who's where, when, mm-hmm. when is what, where, ing, 
Um, and there's there's a little bit of that in this episode that I think yeah m- makes it a little bit confusing. It's it's a lot of flash and and um, a lot of substance, but I feel like the flash outweighs the substance just a hair. Um, mm-hmm. And I that, I think that holds it back from being like a perfect episode. But as far as like coming back to TV with Star Trek and making something new and setting up something new, I think this episode fucking rocks. I think it knocks it out of the park. And yeah, I do. I love the representation in this episode. And it's something that I had been really craving from Star Trek was to show something different. You know, we've had um, like of the five Star Trek shows, um, four of the five captains were white and three of the five were men. So having... Um, Michelle Yeoh captain the ship and then have the main character be um, Sonequa Martin-Green. I'm like, this is this is great. This is, you know, yeah. some different perspectives to bring to Star Trek and that is vital. Um, I, when did this come out? 2018, I think? When did this start? That sounds right, right? Yeah, 2017 or 18. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's a nine. And if anyone wants to go back and hear my initial reaction to this when it first came out, I actually recorded a solo podcast on this feed um, <laughs> back when this first came out. I think it's just called Star Trek Discovery, that episode. And you can just hear me talking about how much I liked this when it came out and complaining a bit about how the Klingons looked. I do think that the Klingon redesign is silly. I think that it's like too far. But I do like some of the, the thematic elements that they bring into it later, and I don't want to spoil that now. Yeah. So that really did soften that for me this time. Um, yeah, and it just like, at the end of the episode you're just like, oh my god, what happens next? Let's watch the next one. I can't wait. Mm. And like when this first came out, they released both of these episodes together. So I, I in my memory, it was one episode. I thought it was, but it is actually split up. Yeah, um, and it feels like a single movie if you really if you just watch it back to back. Yeah, totally, totally. Awesome. Well, I'm stoked that we are continuing Star Trek Club yeah! and on this new journey. I'm really excited about it. Woo! Yeah. And if anyone wants to hear our really heated discussion of Star Trek Picard, <laughs> we're moving that over to the Patreon because <laughs> it, gets spicy. it was like a solid half hour. It got a little spicy. It got a little spicy. But that's good. I love it that. Good. I love that. I, don't, I feel discussion. like the importance yeah. of discussions is the differing opinions. And like, yeah, if you just, sure. if everyone agreed, it, it would be pretty boring. Totally. And like being able to disagree about something and then talk about it with respect and, you know, and, and love for each other is so important. Totally. So, yeah. Right. But also, we're all the same at the end. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the episode, you'll know we're talking about. You'll get that. <laughs> um, yes. All right. Well, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Such a pleasure. Can't wait for the next time. Woo! Until then, yeah! stay Remain Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash spacenerdspodcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!